0: MSW Media with swearing
1: Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, May nineteenth, twenty twenty. Today A potential vaccine emerges for coronavirus as states reopen and hold back data needed for accurate modeling. Trump's purge of the State Department inspector general is more than just dog walking. Trump says he's taking hydroxychloroquine. A new filing in the Flynn case today. A new U.S. attorney is nominated for the District of Columbia office handling the Flynn and Stone cases. I'll speak with former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig about potential obstruction of justice. And a heap of good news, including potential new articles of impeachment, along with some tasty schadenfreude and a fantasy indictment league as this administration circles the drain. I'm your host AG. Holy moly, it is a uh, it is a good news day, everyone. I mean, there is obviously a lot of a lot of bad news out there. We have a lot of good news today, too. Uh, I, For example, I've been texting back and forth with Glenn Kirshner, uh, former um, U.S. attorney, federal prosecutor at U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. Uh, and boy, is this administration imploding. Um, Barr said he doubts there would be criminal investigations into Obama and Biden, uh, which pissed Trump off as first he's heard of it because he's been yelling Obamagate, saying Obama committed crimes. You know what they are. I shouldn't have to tell you. So Bard basically just called him a liar. So there's trouble in paradise, and I'm here for it. Uh, It's like when your ex-boyfriend throws a flaming bag of dog shit at your ex-husband's front door, and both of them end up catching on fire. It's just, it's nice. Um, Also, we've got a court filing uh, in an old Mueller case against Zuberi, uh, which, (laughs) it's a long story, but we'll go over that in the good news. Plus, um, their new filing um, from the House Democrats in their pursuit of the muller grand jury materials and i will talk a little bit about that later on as well um we have a great show again i'm also talking with cnn legal analyst ellie honig uh, and his latest op-ed about potential obstruction of justice at the firing of the latest inspector general at uh, the state department jordan has an a block update for you uh, and i'll be speaking with her later for good news and quarantine confessions Uh, our animal crossing discord is amazing Uh, i got some iron garden benches today uh, from uh, PDX Rach, and it only cost me some windflower seeds. Thank you for that, Rach. And our Discord is open to anyone, uh, though, if you're able, we ask you to become a patron. But we understand these are hard times, that's not feasible for everyone. So just thanks for listening. That Discord, by the way, is a politics free zone. It's super zen. I love our community. Thanks to everyone for being a part of it. And without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Jordan Coburn for Hot Notes. Awesome. Hot Notes. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Jordan's
2: Corn Beans. You can tell I'm all bitter. I'm all bitter about the corn and beans gate, which is hilarious. Um, I'm not actually bitter, but you know when you just have that defensive part of you that just can't not be fucking defensive for no reason? No reason at all? I live with that every day, everywhere I go. Anyways, welcome everyone. Hope you're having a great Monday. Uh, I've got some stories today, just a few for the A block related to coronavirus, and I'm going to kick it off with some coverage of Gavin Newsom, the governor of California's press conference that he gave today uh, from the inside of a restaurant uh, that was completely empty, obviously, but the setting was just a bit different than it normally is, and one of the announcements that he was giving today is California basically is seeing a lot of progress in terms of the rates going down, of serious cases, of deaths, of hospitalizations, period, Uh, ICU admittals. So actually, that's gone down. Patients administer, or patients that got sent to the ICU, that number has gone down 8.7% over the last 14-day period. And like I said, a lot of other numbers are correlated in areas like deaths and just infection rates uh, at all. Right now, so that, or at least as far as we have data on testing um but that's good news, and the testing he said today has gone up, and they're at fifty seven thousand tests just in the last twenty four hours, which is a lot closer to their goal. They were really, really lagging on that goal for a while. His words not mine, uh, but I do agree one hundred percent I don't think really anybody has had an adequate testing response, California included, so. Yeah, that's up to 57,000 over the last 24 hours. But what Newsom said was, if the rates can stay down, if we can keep them down, then he's going to enter us all as a state into phase two, which would entail things like in-store retail, not just curbside pickup, um, pro sports being able to continue with spec- without spectators in early June. Uh, salons opening up that's that that would he's saying that will be statewide if things continue to go well in the coming coming weeks um so it won't be as far off as maybe you know he was cautiously sort of saying he he's been he's good about not giving exact numbers, which is wise I think given a situation that's ever changing but what is happening today is that regionally places in California are allowed to start doing those things. So if you're in a region where your numbers have been good and continuing to get better, then you're going to be able to start doing these sorts of things. And if we keep doing it and keep it up, then we'll be able to do that statewide. So that's good news. Assuming everything goes okay and we don't see spikes. So Yay. I think that's something to celebrate. Some good news before the good news. Uh, the other two stories I wanted to cover. So Alex Azar, our Secretary of Human Health and Human Services, he criticized WHO super hardcore on Monday uh, at a video conference. And he said basically that their handling of the outbreak in China led to unnecessary deaths. And he essentially was kind of saying stuff that defends why Trump is deciding to withhold funding for the WHO. It was a prepared video to the to the World Health Assembly. They're the, the global health. Um, it was their agency's annual meeting. Uh, it's the first that they've had since the, the pandemic. So this is what he said. We must be frank about one of the primary reasons that this outbreak spun out of control. There was a failure by this organization to obtain the information that the world needed and that failure cost many lives. So calling them calling them out, calling for uh, an investigation into basically what happened at the onset of the covid spread in china uh and it wasn't met with you know a lot of enthusiasm from china's president he uh, xi jinping he defended how they handled uh the outbreak um he also brushed aside the calls for those investigations into the origin of the virus saying that any of those kinds of investigations were something that needed to wait until the crisis has subsided uh but he also directly challenged Trump low key uh, about the funding to WHO saying that he's going to provide 2 billion dollars in the fight against the pandemic and he also called on other nations to increase their contributions to WHO and that's a pretty has a pretty hefty increase in what China is um giving so now that the US is starting to withhold our annual payment to them of contribution I should say um of $550 million, now China's coming out saying everybody uh, fund WHO. And I mean, clearly this is like, I, this whole thing is a bit complicated because I personally do believe that China did not do everything that they should have done. And I do think that what they did cost lives 100%. I believe that. Do I believe... With defunding WHO? No. There's a whole cross-section of people like myself that have no patience for this kind of drama that Azar is bringing to them. At least, I personally don't. I can't speak for... For the rest of you, it just sucks that it's tied to these sentiments Trump has been trying to push all the time, but we do know for a fact that China withholds essential information from us and other people, and that's one of the things that is absolutely not okay, and I think you could definitely make the argument that that traces to more deaths. So, that's just beef between the U.S. and the world health community, which sucks that we are leaning into that, but that's where we're at and uh i i I don't i don't see how that video was necessary at least its tone i feel like there's a much less antagonistic way to bring up concerns and that is not the direction they decided to go with it it appears Uh, my final story really quick drug maker moderna they said modern moderna moderna I don't know how you say it, but it sounds fancier that way. They said on Monday that their first coronavirus vaccine uh, to be tested in people appeared to be safe and was able to stimulate an immune response against the virus. So after this was announced, there was a huge bump in Wall Street and the stocks went up a lot. Best day in six best day in six weeks, and that's. Something that hopefully will continue as they continue to make progress on this. But I think that is also good news. Just a just a reminder, obviously, for um, anybody that's maybe like, I'm sure I I, know, I can already hear now. I'm gonna have friends that are like, "See, they got the vaccine. It's coming out. It, it's it's just uh, it's not that quick. They still have to do a whole bunch of other shit before it's gonna get rolled out to the public." But but I do think that this is good news and it's progress. So, yay and. That's all I got for today, everybody. Be well, and I love you
0: guys. Have a good day. Bye. All right, Jordan, thanks for that update. We will speak later for the good news and quarantine confessions. I'm going to throw a little fantasy indictment league your way. We got some schadenfreude. But first, I have more headlines from under the radar uh, after this super quick break. So stay with us.
1: After these messages, we'll be right back.
0: Hey, everybody, this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry DNA. There are many paths to finding your family history. Whichever one you choose, tracing your family generations back with a family tree or uncovering your ethnicity with Ancestry DNA is easy. It's easy to get started with Ancestry. Uh, an Ancestry DNA uh, test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from. It's not just that. It also can pinpoint the specific regions within those countries, and they give you insightful geographic details about your history. You can trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. No other DNA test delivers such a unique and interactive experience. You could find a famous relative, like I did. I found out that I'm related to a band leader, banjo player, comedian, musician from New York back in the 20s named Harry Reeser, which is just... Just amazing. Uh, My dad was a musician. I was a musician. It's just—it's crazy. Um, you might find a photo of your great-grandma as a little girl. You could find military records. After all, the story of your family is the story of you. So finding all these things gives you a whole new way of looking at your family history. So, it's easy to start making discoveries with Ancestry. Grab an Ancestry DNA kit and start a free trial to amplify your discoveries with Ancestry's billions of records. Start exploring your family story today. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Any minute now, actually, they've been saying that for hours, but we're expecting a new model uh, prediction of number of deaths for coronavirus from the IHME. Um, Still waiting on that number. This is the model that started with the projection of 100,000 to 250,000 deaths by August. Then that was adjusted down to 70,000. And then that was adjusted down to 60,000. Then it went up to 66, then 74, then 90 then 124, and then 134, and then just a couple of days ago it was 147, 147,000 by August. Uh, Ali Mokodad, a professor of health metrics and sciences for the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation, that's the IHME, says they're having a difficult time getting good data because there's no national coordinated effort for testing. Hmm, uh, And they can only project for certain states because many states aren't testing properly and they aren't reporting the correct information and they're starting to reopen and a lot of them are doing this suppression of numbers and data so they can reopen as soon as we get that new modeling we'll we'll you know we'll let you know probably on tomorrow's show but as an example of some of this uh, <laughs> cover-up is the only thing I can think to call it, the Arizona Department of Health Services made a new argument Friday to justify denying public access to information and data about coronavirus cases inside nursing homes, saying that naming facilities with outbreaks would hurt business. Uh, From AZ Central, quote, if the public knew which facilities have outbreaks, people associated with those facilities might be discriminated against and struggle to obtain goods or services. Disclosure could also harm the residents because the stigma could interfere with their care. To bolster their argument, they cite a place called Hacienda Healthcare and their struggle with negative publicity after a former nurse was accused of raping and impregnating an incapacitated patient. Police arrested the man in January of 2019, and the baby's DNA matched his. This case is yet to go to trial, but Arizona actually says officials at the health services of Arizona, say, these issues threatened the facility's viability, caused significant problems obtaining adequate insurance, and eventually forced Hacienda to close its skilled nursing portion of its operation due to financial problems. In turn, the residents had to relocate to another facility which causes trauma okay so a person a a, a worker at the facility raped an incapacitated patient impregnated them they have dna evidence and you're saying ah we don't want to tell anybody because that could cause uh that could cause significant problems obtaining adequate insurance well it fucking should your liability just went way up if i get in a car accident my fucking insurance goes up you had an, a a healthcare worker rape an incapacitated patient, and you're concerned about the facility's viability. Yeah, that's why we report these things. And then to say the residents had to relocate and that causes trauma, but not you know the trauma of a rapist being on the fucking premises. I can't even believe that this is Arizona's defense. We don't want to tell anybody about bad shit that goes on at a company because it might hurt their business. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's supposed to happen, you fuckface. Anyway, because of this, state health officials have refused to share which facilities are having coronavirus outbreaks. The Arizona Republic is suing for, the, for those data, and the AARP has pressed Governor Ducey to make the data public as well. In other news, pharmaceutical company Moderna says an early vaccine trial uh, seems to be working. Participants have developed antibodies against COVID. Eight participants were given several levels of uh, uh, dosages of this vaccine. All eight developed antibodies. Uh, Some developed flu symptoms. They're ones that were given higher dosages. Uh, But they're saying that since the lower dosages also produced antibodies, that they will go forward into the next phase of their trial with the lower dose. As of today, we have 1.5 million infected in this country, 90,000 dead. But this early reporting from Moderna, now they want to look at about 60 to 100 participants. Um, There were some side effects, like I said, uh, but that was in the higher doses. They're moving forward with the lower dose. And in July, Moderna will start large-scale clinical trials. They want to get about 10,000 people. And if all goes well, they say a vaccine could be on the market sometime in the first half of next year. But they say that with extreme caution, and that that may be overly optimistic and a little enthusiastic. There are no guarantees on this. Medical experts are emphasizing very strongly how preliminary these d- these data are. Um, we know that this produces antibodies, they said, but we don't know if those antibodies prevent the disease. We actually need a large double-blind placebo study to see if people who develop these antibodies from this vaccine can be prevented from contracting COVID. That's the efficacy. So, you know, they need to see. And uh, the timeline expectations are really optimistic. I know we all want to cling to this kind of good news. But we should be very cautiously optimistic about timelines of vaccines. The only way to know if this vaccine is safe and is effective is by testing tens of thousands of people. Um, and not until we have those results from those trials will we be able to start discussing timelines. Because then we have to figure out how long it's going to take to make 300 million doses. This news, however, buoyed investors Monday, powering a Wall Street rally so strong gains, sending the Dow up over 900 points, and Moderna's share soared 19%. What do you want to bet? wafflers invested. <laughs> um, the markets also found solace in Fed Chair Jerome Powell's 60 Minutes interview last night. I was a little bit uh, chilled by it, but apparently investors found solace. Uh, he said the central bank is not out of ammunition, not by a long shot. So the vaccine announcement... The Fed shares comments last night, plus states reopening, are likely responsible for this rally on Wall Street today. Up 911 points, I believe. And Trump said today he has been taking hydroxychloroquine, despite it having zero proven medical benefits. He must not be taking enough. Just kidding. Uh, he says he's been taking it for a couple weeks in pill form as a preventive measure. He also uh, answered some questions about the firing of the State Department Inspector General Linick, And he said, I never heard of him, but uh, I was asked by Mike to fire him. And I'll get into more about that firing in a bit later when I talk to Ellie Honig. But I do want to mention, this isn't just about a, you know, some people are saying, oh, he had a, a government employee doing his personal chores and walking his dog and doing his dry cleaning. Of course, Trump said, I'd rather have him on the phone with world leaders than walking his dog. You know, maybe his wife's busy. He actually said that. He shouldn't be doing laundry. His wife's probably busy. (laughs) What a tick! So uh, anyway, that's probably not about this. A while back, Elliot Engel, chairman of the House Finance Committee, uh, asked Trump, asked the inspector general of the State Department to look into why Pompeo and Trump declared an emergency to make an end run around Congress to send $8 billion worth of arms to Saudi Arabia. Usually Congress has to approve that shit. But he declared it was an emergency and sent the weapons. So, Elliot Engel wrote a letter. The Inspector General Linick was just about ready to give his report. And he had, just this last week, briefed Pompeo and the State Department on the conclusions of his Inspector General report. And then, bam, Mike Pompeo recommends he be fired. Trump listens to him. And, of course, Trump says, I have never heard of him, never heard of him before. But, you know, I told all my people, my people that uh, go ahead and get rid of who you need to get rid of, especially if they're Obama appointees, Obamagate. Um, Yeah, so that happened. And again, I'll talk more about that firing and how it's potential obstruction of justice with Ellie Honig later. Uh, And more examples of uh, data that's just been sort of jacked up that's making it really hard for the IHME to do this model. In Texas this past Saturday, we saw the single largest one-day spike in new cases of 1,800. And if you look at the average over the past 14 days since Texas reopened, there's a gradual uptick in cases. Despite that, non-essential manufacturing, daycares are open today, offices and businesses that are inside office buildings, gyms are getting the green light to open up. Youth sports and sleepaway camps for children open up in 12 days, 13 days, May 31st. That timing is really bad, uh, 12 days from now, which says to me that an invisible outbreak will be around by then, but we won't be seeing it in the hospitals yet. And they want to have gatherings, large gatherings, where there could be a bunch of asymptomatic carriers. And this Friday, bars and bowling alleys and restaurants will open in Texas. All while the curve is going up. The curve is not flattened in Texas. So we know this is a mistake. But we won't know how big of a mistake until mid-June. And finally, another example of just useless data, why the data is useless for modeling in this country. And this is from the LA Times. If you look at the data coming out of Georgia over the past month, which had one of the earliest and most aggressive efforts to reopen its economy, you might be convinced that there is little danger in a broad economic reopening. According to state data models which Governor Brian Kemp used to justify Georgia's aggressive reopening, the state's infection curve has been rapidly heading in a direction that would be the envy of states like California with its aggressive lockdown rules. The Wall Street Journal hailed the Georgia model, "quote unquote," as evidence that aggressive lockdowns were needlessly harming the economy. However, Georgia's miraculous curve uh might not be so miraculous, but it did play an important role in the changing public sentiment around opening, reopening nationally. So it influenced a lot of other states. It all it, it defied scientific logic. Um, but now we know why. Because it defies scientific logic. Thanks to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution... We know things did indeed look too good to be true. Georgia's coronavirus numbers looked so rosy because officials misrepresented the data in such a way that it was difficult to believe it wasn't done on purpose. Listen to this, a tweet from David Farren The state of Georgia made it look like its COVID cases were going down by putting the dates out of order on its chart. May 5th was followed by April 25th and then back to May again. Whatever made it look like a downslope. That's pretty unbelievable, and this is why we can't. why we can't have nice things. And this just in, uh, I, this just in. Ships at sea, ships at sea. We have breaking news. Um, the House Democrats have filed uh, with the Supreme Court that they need the Mueller grand jury materials. They might be deciding on new articles of impeachment. Um, from CNN, the Democratic-led House of Representatives on Monday told the Supreme Court that the House needs the secret man, the grand jury materials from the Mueller case to determine if there's new evidence of impeachable offenses involving President Donald Trump. Now, we know, back on July 27th, when they filed for the Mueller grand jury materials, which is when I personally thought they opened the impeachment hearings, not in September, but in July. July 27th, uh, Nadler filed for them under Article uh, 1, Powers of Impeachment. We know that they've been looking at this for a while, uh, but Doug Letter, uh, the The attorney for the House Judiciary Committee wrote the committee's impeachment investigation related to obstruction of justice pertaining to the Russia investigation is ongoing. Uh, If this material reveals new evidence supporting the conclusion that President Trump committed impeachable offenses, the committee will proceed accordingly, including, if necessary, by considering whether to recommend new articles of impeachment. Now, if we go comparing this to history, it was right before the 1974 election, which Nixon won in a landslide. That they were about to get these Jaworski materials. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Which is what this is. So, anyway. That was after the election. After he won the second term. So, that that just keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your mind. This filing uh, comes after a federal appeals court cleared the way, right, for the release of the documents in March. We know Trump is looking for a stay. I think this was in response to him looking for a stay. Because they're asking to block the release of materials, saying it would suffer irreparable harm to turn over grand jury records. (laughs) But he's innocent, I thought. Uh... The letter noted uh, that the House had originally requested the information more than a year ago, obviously, uh, like I said. And he said he feared the court were to grant the department's request uh, to take up the case. It would be months before the decision is rendered. So hurry up. The substantial delay will seriously endanger the committee's ability to complete its impeachment investigation during the current Congress. Get on with it, Supreme Court. So interesting, interesting news. And finally, Judge Gleason, who was just named an amicus curiae in the Flynn case by Judge Sullivan, has filed a request to the court outlining what he needs to argue his, quote, opposition to the government's motion in this case. We just learned he is definitely opposing it. And I'll talk about this new filing, along with the three things in it that Judge Gleason needs. And we'll talk about the ousted inspectors general and the new US, U.S. attorney in D.C. And I'll be doing this with former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig right after this break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. This Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Are you having a hard time on lockdown? Something preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Everybody needs a little help from time to time. I've sought help from my PTS and my anxiety. I highly recommend seeking help when you need it. BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. And that means it might be available to you where you might not have it available to you, like in rural areas, um, locally. So you can just log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you'll get a response, a thoughtful, timely response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, which we can't do anyway right now. (laughs) So it's just all around an incredible solution and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if it's needed. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So visit betterhelp.com/dailybeans. That's betterhelp h e l p and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com/dailybeans. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today is former federal prosecutor and CNN legal analyst, Ellie Honig. Ellie, thanks for speaking with me today.
1: Glad to be with you. As always, we have plenty to discuss.
0: (laughs) So many things. So uh, the number one thing uh, that I saw is you penned an op ed this weekend that firing the firing of the inspector general of the
1: State Department could be a crime. Can you explain that? Yeah, so first of all, I have to tell you, when when this news came out about yet another firing of an IG, the first thing that immediately popped into my head is this could be obstruction of justice in a way that I'll talk about in a moment. But I have to tell you, I I think we're all getting numb. And because there's just so much of this abuse of power and so much of this um, potentially criminal conduct that it almost stops being noteworthy after a while. And when I had this thought, I thought, oh, all of us former federal prosecutors out here in the media world are going to be rushing to write this story and explain. And as we sit here right now, I'm the only one who has, I, I'm confident I'm right. But I think it's just so many things that have happened. You could say that could be obstruction of justice in a normal world setting. That would be obstruction of justice, putting aside the complication that the president's involved, but if other people are involved, and that is a legitimate legal sort of complication. So here's, here's the thought it's this obstruction of justice. If you take steps to interfere with a an agency investigation. Now inspectors general are the non-political folks who work inside of each federal agency and they conduct investigations for waste, fraud or abuse. Now they cannot bring criminal charges on their own, but they can and often do send criminal referrals over to the justice department for potential prosecution. So either way it's a federal crime. It's a federal crime to interfere with an agency investigation. It's a federal crime to interfere with a criminal investigation. And If the reporting proves out, and there is reporting that this was done after or while the inspector general had an investigation going into Secretary Mike Pompeo's potential use of a department employee to to do personal errands, and if the firing was an effort to stop or sidetrack that investigation, then it potentially could be obstruction of justice, and I should say If these allegations prove out, if the secretary was using department resources to do personal errands, that could be a criminal theft of government funds as well. That would depend on a lot of facts and circumstances and specifics. But we could be looking at multiple layers of criminality here. Like I said, is DOJ going to charge the sitting president? No, it's their longstanding policy not to do so. But could others be involved? Sure. If other people came to the president and urged him to fire this IG, in order to sidetrack or just completely derail the investigation, then yes, that could be obstruction of justice.
0: Can I ask you a, a smarty pants question? <laughs> sure. Uh, and I've learned this from the Mueller report and Robert Mueller. In order to obtain and maintain a conviction, which is something you have to be able to prove you can do in order to get a grand jury to indict somebody. Uh, you have to have a nexus to a judicial proceeding as one of the three elements of obstruction of justice. Is an IG investigation considered a judicial proceeding?
1: Well, so not under the statute that Mueller was talking about. He's talking about 1503, which is the one specific to judicial proceedings. There's a separate uh, statute, 1505, you got to flip ahead a couple pages, that refers to agency proceedings. Hmm. So this would be that.
0: Well, I feel like that was a very good question on my behalf. (laughs) Not only a good question, I think I gave a good answer. I think you gave the (laughs) perfect answer because I I remember reading about the other, because Mueller mentioned the other ones, 1505, 1507. He mentioned the other ones, but we we just sort of pushed those aside because we were focusing on uh, the judicial proceeding, which was the special counsel investigation or the the FBI investigation.
1: And also it's important to know that even in a criminal context, the judicial proceeding, you don't have to necessarily have an actual indictment returned. It just has to be some sort of even very early stage grand jury investigation.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, and also sort of under the radar, the inspector general for the Department of Transportation, uh, I think, went by by. And of course, as we know, Mitch McConnell's wife is in charge of that joint. So.
1: Yeah. The, the, IGs are, are dropping left and right. I mean, just since last month, we've seen the intelligence community, IG, Michael Atkinson, of course, he was being Punished because he notified Congress of the Ukraine whistleblowers complaint, which led to impeachment. Uh, state Defense, HHS, mm-hmm. uh, IGs are IGs are an endangered species species in Washington D.C. right now.
0: Yep, fine at Department of Defense, grim at uh, HHS, and that was because she had a report saying we had critical shortages of PPE. Any any IG report criticizing this administration, which by the way, they're intended to do by design, and. <laughs> uh, is is seems to be just being plucked and replaced with uh acolytes and sycophants um now i uh, got another question for you what the frick is going on at the u.s attorney's office in dc because <laughs> briefly jesse liu was there and she was tricked into leaving she was uh, last year uh when andy mccabe did not get indicted Uh, The timing was a little odd. She was offered a job at the Department of Justice. Uh, That didn't happen. But then after the Stone interference, uh, she was uh, nominated to be something at the Treasury Department. And they said, you got to hurry, though. You got to walk over there right now. And while she was walking over to the office, so to speak... That nomination was pulled out from under her. Tim Shea was installed. His term was going to expire June 2nd. He's the one who signed his name to the Stone recommendation and the Flynn recommendation. Uh, but on June 2nd, if his term expired, that would have allowed Beryl Howell, uh, who's the chief justice at the D.C. Circuit, I believe, to appoint someone. The judges would got, would have gotten to appoint or confirm who who is in there now. Um, but then... Today, Barr said he was going to put a guy named Sherwin in that spot. He's the assistant deputy uh, attorney general from the Department of Justice. That guy's a douchebag. And now Trump has nominated the U.S. attorney from Cleveland named Herdman. I've never heard of this guy, but what is up with the revolving door? I mean, I know that these appointments are 120 days at a time, but this seems a little untenable.
1: So I don't know any of the players you just named, so I can't sign on to your characterizations of what they're like. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I I can say a couple things for sure. Number one, the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office is one of the most important and arguably, I'll even say this as an SDNY guy, arguably the most important when it comes to politically sensitive cases because all these prosecutions that we know about Stone and Flynn and one of the Manafort cases come out of D.C. So especially right now, that U.S. attorney's office is especially politically charged. The other thing is, it is extraordinarily unusual to see this kind of turnover within a U.S. attorney's office, one acting after another after another. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Typically, when a new president comes in, all the U.S. attorneys who are in office leave or get fired. That's standard procedure. And then the new president chooses all new ones. There's 93 or 94 in the country. But once that happens, the only real turnover is just sort of natural circle of life. Someone is there for a few years, wants to go make some money, leaves on his or her own and goes to a firm or gets moved up into justice. But not this kind of just sort of serial recycling of one after the other. And I think if I had to, to, to speculate, I would guess that, yes, So because it was an acting position, that person can only be there for 120 days. After 120 days, it goes to the judges, the federal judges. Now, the president has done this all around the country. There are U.S. attorneys everywhere, including the Southern District of New York, who the president never actually nominated and sent down to the Senate. Instead, he put them in. When the 120 days laps, the judges, I think probably doing the right or at least conservative lowercase c thing, just said, well, this is the person the president wants. We'll nominate him or her. Now, they were coming up on that deadline in D.C., and I think there was some risk to perhaps the president or William Barr that the judges, the federal judges in D.C. would say, no, we don't want this person. We want someone else, and we want someone who's going to maybe clean up the Flynn mess and clean up the Stone mess. So I think this is a way to try to protect against that.
0: Ah, okay, (laughs) well— Huh. Yeah, I mean I I we've said this for a couple of years now when I when I sort of learned how Russia's government worked and how every cabinet member was an acting position and I said, "Well, it sounds like Trump is uh taking a page right out of the old Kremlin." Uh-
1: <laughs> yeah. I I mean I mean look, I I I don't know enough about Russian history, but it is ex- it is really unusual to have this many US attorneys all around the country who've not even Gone through the Senate confirmation process, but here we are. We're several years into that already.
0: Well, and it's got to be hard to find uh, somebody to appoint to these that that w- is going to do what Trump wants him to do, and is a criminal or is somehow compromised so that can be held over their heads. I mean, generally, when you're in these positions to be able to be nominated for these things, you've had a you've had a pretty decent life. So I, I, it's got to be just tough. Like w- like the way they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for some of these fucking judges that they're appointing. Like like I am more qualified. Qualified. um <laughs> so i wanted to before because we, we haven't heard anything from jesse lou she's been very very quiet uh she doesn't work for the government anymore i'm wondering if sullivan would bring her in to discuss the flynn case she's been very quiet we haven't heard much about um the uh circumstances surrounding her ouster from her but speaking of flynn and this is just breaking just this second so pop quiz for you yeah okay. <laughs> um Gleason, Judge Gleason, who, as you know, has been appointed a friend of the court, Amicus curiae, by Judge Sullivan in the Flynn case to help him uh, because no one is representing the American people. Um, So he, uh, Judge Gleason, filed a motion of Amicus curiae to establish a briefing schedule with the court, with Sullivan, and... He says, because the court's order and the government's motion raise important and complex issues, I respectfully request permission to submit a brief honor before june 10 twenty twenty, addressing three issues. Um, number one is the legal framework applicable to the court's authority with respect to a motion to dismiss brought under Rule 48 of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure. Uh, and he says in parentheses, including both the constitutional validity of the court's authority to deny the motion and the standard to be
1: applied in deciding one. What's that mean? OK, so what Judge Gleason is, at, is saying to Judge Sullivan here is I want to brief you. I'm going to do research. I want to brief you on whether you as a judge actually have the authority to reject the justice. I'll call it William Barr, but William Barr's Justice Department's request to undo Michael Flynn's guilty plea. In other words, Barr says, I want to give him his guilty plea back, and Judge Sullivan needs to know, well, can he he do that or not? And I think people need to understand, look, when you look at this case, I think it's very easy to see why it would be unjust to undo Michael Flynn's guilty plea, but the law may be stacked against that. There actually is existing case law that says, generally speaking, it's up to the executive branch, the Justice Department, and not to the courts and not to judges to decide whether a prosecution should proceed or not. Now, there's arguably a distinction here, which is, yeah, but this case is over. This prosecution is essentially over. He pled guilty, and now it's in the court's hands. Now it's sentencing. And I'm not so sure that case law applies to whether a court can follow through and finish off a sentencing. So that's going to be the legal dispute here. But there could be an uphill climb here for people who want to see Michael Flynn's guilty plea stay in place. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because he's saying that he wants to argue and include the constitutional validity of Sullivan's authority to deny the motion and the standard to be applied. So, well, that suggests
1: to me that he thinks there is some standard. Mm-hmm. So and that maybe it's very high and maybe it requires an extreme abuse of power or something. The way yep. he frame that.
0: But then but then comes number two. Uh, which says any additional factual development I may need before finalizing my argument in opposition to the government's motion in this case. And what that says to me, sort of, uh, and I and I spoke just a second, I was texting uh, Glenn Kirshner and he, and, and, and he agrees with me. This sounds like this is like, hey, Sullivan, I might need you to compel people to give me the shit I need to explain the validity of you denying
1: this motion. Well, that's the juicy part. He's saying I may not have all the facts available. You may not have all the facts available. And we may need to subpoena people. We may need to bring people in, whether they do it publicly or get affidavits. But, yeah, he's saying there might be a missing piece of the factual record here that we're going to have to flesh out. That's where it's going to get interesting.
0: Yeah, and he's given himself or he's asking until June 10th to to get to ask for that Uh and so that's interesting. And number three, finally, is whether, based on the record before the court, it should order the defendant to show cause why he should not be held in criminal contempt for perjury.
1: Yeah, so this is interesting. This one, the, the, the perjury argument against Michael Flynn seems like a little bit of a head, heads we win, tails you lose type scenario because he has, at various times under oath, admitted his guilt multiple times under oath in the court, but also is now asserting that he's not guilty and he was wrongly convicted. So it's a little bit of like a, which is it? So I think he's, what, what uh, Judge Gleason is considering here is making some sort of recommendation. How do we move forward on this contempt issue? Do we make do we make Michael Flynn and his lawyers come in and explain to us why he should not be held in contempt? That's essentially what a show cause is. In other words, who do we put the burden on here for, for there to be a contempt ruling? And it's important to know the judge himself can issue a contempt ruling against Michael Flynn if he so chooses.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, then he closes here, saying, I respectfully suggest that the court set a schedule for responses by the government, the defendant, and any other amici uh, to my filing. I've heard it both ways when I took Latin. It was, I say
1: amici. I say it like a hard key. Yeah. V- I don't even v- say v- v- it ever. I don't, I don't use... The, I try to avoid all the certiorari and amiki and <laughs> uh, yeah. no one likes that yeah because
0: everyone said everyone always said vini viti vici and we were taught winnie wiki he...
1: <laughs> Winnie. The, the one year i took latin i remember that
0: yeah uh okay thanks mrs laberman and um <laughs> and to my filing responses to my filing a reply by me to those responses and oral argument Upon the resolution of these issues addressed by my brief or raised in response to it, a schedule for any remaining proceedings could be set. Of course, I will proceed in whatever manner or whatever timeline the court directs, and I understand the need for expeditious resolution of these issues identified in the court's May 13th order.
1: Wow. So so Judge Gleason wants to go 10 rounds lasting through the entire summer. (laughs) If I'm following this right, he's saying he wants to submit his brief on June 10th, and then he wants the court to set a schedule for responsive briefs, re-responsive briefs and then oral argument. I mean, we're going to be here till Labor Day. Isn't that Um, the uh, point? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who wants this to drag out or who wants this to get closer to the election or who wants this over or what. But uh, it's getting hard to follow who wants what. But look, it is good news that, that Judge Gleason is pushing for a real, not just some sort of, you know, let's get this over with type proceeding, but a real examination of, the law and potentially the facts so we could have hearings in that court we could have well i don't know if it would physically be in that court given coronavirus but um th- there could case, be a lot yeah. more yeah there could be a lot more to this story it, over june and july
0: yeah and uh if it's late in the summer i love it um <laughs> uh, but uh, for realsies though uh without a dismissal you know this is still ongoing and we can still get more information that can come out to the public uh, in that time, in that interim time, and then also, uh, a question for you—just a pardon question. Can without without a sentence sentencing can can Flynn be pardoned
1: right this second for these crimes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I thought Michael so. Flynn. Yeah, Michael Flynn. So a president can pardon a person at any time, virtually any time, including before a person's even ever been charged. The example there is Richard Nixon right? I mean, if Gerald Ford famously pardoned Richard Nixon shortly after Nixon left office. Richard Nixon had never been charged with anything. There is there is some scholarly debate about whether that's proper, but if there's certainly precedent for it. You can be charged after you're indicted, but before you've been convicted, you can be pardoned in the middle of trial. You can be pardoned, even as we just saw, years after you've served your sentence. Michael Milken, the the, uh, the 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 bond trader, the famous 80s bond trader, he's decades done his sentence and trump pardoned him you can even pardon dead people uh uh, jack johnson the famous boxer from the 20s Mm -hmm. was pardoned recently Mm -hmm. so a person can be pardoned yes donald trump could pardon michael flynn tonight
0: would that end this whole thing
1: in all but an academic sense i mean there would be an open question about could michael flynn still be charged with state crimes i'm not sure flynn i I just mean i
0: just mean the amicus Call Yes. Okay. Well,
1: it, it, yes. It, it, the, the short answer is yes. I mean, it, it would depend how the pardon was phrased. You can A president can phrase the pardon very broadly. He can say, I pardon Michael Flynn for all federal crimes. Or he could do it more narrowly, saying on this case, U.S. v. Michael Flynn case number, whatever it is in front of Emmett Sullivan, I issue a pardon and just end that case. But at a minimum, yeah, part it would would end this thing, and it'll be interesting to see if the president at some point just says enough of this. Mm-hmm. I want it over with. I don't want this dragged out. Or perhaps the president likes it. I mean, perhaps it, it seems to have become a bit of a rallying cry. He keeps bringing it up. He keeps tweeting and te- and talking about it. So he doesn't seem to fear what it portends for him. So perhaps it's in the president's political interest to keep this in the public eye.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure he would have asked. The, the The Department of Justice to go out of its way to be an asshole by requesting a motion to dismiss if he was just intending on pardoning. It's the, the, the same means, but then it's politically bad for him to do that. So now it seems like a game of chicken. Are you going to pardon or are we going to go on with this, uh, you know, evidentiary hearings and oral arguments in this case where a lot of shit could come out to the public uh, between now and the election? And so, uh, you know, it, it seems it just seems like a, a game of, of judicial chicken.
1: I, I think that's a good way to put it. I think the president always ha- I, I think he does not want to use that pardon card if he doesn't have to. But if it plays out that Judge Sullivan throws him in jail, Michael Flynn, and, the you know, the pre- I don't think the president will let Michael Flynn spend a day behind bars. I think if if all that comes to pass, I think the president will will pull out that, t- so, so to speak, Trump card, that pardon card and say, OK, now we're done.
0: Well, interesting. Interesting. Uh, oh, it's, a, it's a game of chess. Uh, and, and we'll see we'll see uh, who the victor is or if we end up with a stalemate. We'll find out. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, former federal prosecutor and CNN legal analyst and all around awesome person. Thanks for talking to me today, Ellie Honig.
1: Thanks, AJ. My pleasure.
0: All right, everybody stick around right after this. We have the Good News Block and Quarantine Confessions. You don't want to miss it. So stay with us. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Daily Beans is brought to you by TheZebra.com. Nowadays, everyone's trying to be more frugal, we're trying to conserve resources, and meanwhile, Americans overpay on car insurance by about $21 billion a year. Oftentimes, searching for a better deal can take hours, and you have to talk to pushy salespeople, and you can get a barrage of unwanted spam calls and emails, but not anymore, thanks to TheZebra.com. They make comparing rates safer and easier, and you can save up to $670 a year. TheZebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site. It's the only place you can compare quotes side-by-side from over 100 providers and choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less, and it's absolutely free. TheZebra.com is unbiased and it's independent and allows you to compare rates from hundreds of insurance providers, including the top companies, all in one place. Plus, they will never sell your information to the spammers. You just answer a few questions on a simple, fast form, and they find you the best rates and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls The Zebra kayak for auto insurance, and Time says The Zebra is your best bet to compare car insurance rates across companies. Not everyone who uses the zebra finds a lower rate, but those who do save an average of $368 per year. And like I said, it's completely free, no spam, no risk. I know we could all use the extra cash right about now, and we're all driving less too, so it's time to reassess our, our auto insurance anyway. So how much can you save on your car and home insurance? Go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash dailybeans. That's thezebra.com slash dailybeans, spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll on. Good news is on the way. all right joining me today for the good news block and quarantine confessions and a couple of other surprises is jordan coburn hello good to be here how art thou i thou
2: great <laughs> that's not how that works <laughs> <laughs> Thou, thy, thy, how do I refer to me with a th? That's me. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, no, that's that's thy yeah. doth do well. I also I don't think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also think that that's that's false. I think vi is, <laughs> is me though. Like oh, like else. you, but, you know. Oh,
2: got it, got it. Okay,
0: the yeah. I think. What
2: if it's just me? Just the most basic, straightforward answer. I. Ieth I-ith. M How to refer to yeah, myself right. like an asshole is what I'm just
0: going <laughs> to Google. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: just
0: call yourself Bill Barr, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, so I have a surprise for you. Ooh! Uh, are you ready for the fantasy indictment league? Yes. I'm
2: going to be indicted. No, wait. It's going to be a- indicted, honey. Dick. Indicted. I'm going to be oh, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna be
0: indicted. Okay, so this just happened. I just found this out. Uh, Mueller Mondays are back, uh, and since I, you know, I just felt like throwing a fantasy indictment league in here. A while back, I had drafted a guy named Zuberry but a year and a half uh, when the Department of Justice, you know, before Barr got there basically put out a, a sweeping subpoena for all things inaugural, right? Uh, and was, there was one only one person named in the subpoena, and his name was Zuberi. And Zuberi um, gave almost a million dollars to the Trump inaugural, and it was right after he had received a $5.8 million payment uh, f- <laughs> from a foreign entity. And so everybody was like, huh, that's weird. And instead of an indictment, it was called an informational or an information they were asking for. And so I spoke to Joyce Vance on the show on Mueller, she wrote, and she said, that's uh, indicative of a possible plea agreement. And I went, oh, interesting, because he apparently obstructed justice. Um, uh, And so... (laughs) So anyway, today there's a filing from the Department of Justice, Bill Barr's Department of Justice, saying basically Zuberi blew up that plea agreement. He failed to pay the back taxes he was supposed to pay by selling off some of his property in Southern California, and apparently backdated a contract to try to prove that he uh, actually, you know, wasn't lobbying or was lobbying on behalf of a foreign entity, and and he you know he failed to file with Farah. and apparently that charge was forgiven because he was gonna help the government well apparently he didn't do that and he's a piece of shit and today the department of justice filed a sentencing recommendation saying we want to take away all of the extra points he would get for accepting responsibility and helping us out because he backdated this shit and so the obstruction of justice goes forward and with everything else in taking into consideration we're recommending 10 to 12 years so that just dropped today so god happy fantasy indictment league seriously
2: they couldn't have just announced Tom Barrick. It had to be this guy. They couldn't give me that.
0: <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, but that, I don't know. That gives me a little bit of faith in the in the frontline career professionals at the Department of Justice. They're still working on these things. And um, after a little Muller Monday, are you ready for some schadenfreude? Yes. Schadenfreude. All right. So a judge this weekend denied convicted pharma executive Martin Shkreli... Uh, And his request to leave prison so he could help research a treatment for the novel coronavirus after... The probation department dismissed his rationale as the type of, quote, delusional self-aggrandizing behavior that got him locked up in the first (laughs) place. (laughs) Oh, God, that's funny. So Shkreli, if you if you remember, he's one of the really punchable face guys. Uh, He gained notoriety as the pharma bro who raised the price of an AIDS drug by 5000 percent. And he's been serving a seven year sentence for defrauding investors. He was also banned from Twitter and denied bail for offering a bounty on Hillary Clinton's scalp. Yeah. Wow. Jesus.
2: Yeah. The last place you want that guy is at the cusp of new biomedical technology that he can just swoop in on and take advantage of people (laughs) with.
0: Yeah, he's like, I'm needed out in the world, judge. The judge is like, go fuck yourself, you piece of shit. You know how like sex
2: offenders have to go to every house when they move into a neighborhood and say that they're a sex offender? I feel like he should have to do that to every new drug or any kind of new medical development that comes out just to show himself. Like, don't go near this guy. He's a fucking creep and he will fuck
0: everything up forever. Hi Moderna, I hear you are developing a new vaccine. I'm Martin Shkreli. I'm I'm a vaccine abuser. Uh, don't hire me ever. Yes,
2: I'm not allowed within ten feet of that lab.
0: <laughs> he just hangs around vaccine labs, looking creepy and taking pictures in bushes. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Okay, all right. So with uh, with that uh, bit of tasty tasty schadenfreude out of the way what do you have for us uh, by way of good news from our listeners
2: yes we have some good good news today uh thank you to mandy reader for compiling these as always and please keep submitting to us because it's the best thing ever really so okay our first piece of good news comes from anonymous uh anonymous says a record number of women are running for speaker pelosi for speaker pelosi's house a consecutive record 490 female candidates breaking the 2018 record of 478 so there's a that's a amazing milestone it's amazing it keeps setting that milestone election after election i hope that continues forever
0: same thank you
2: yes Uh, all right next up from barbara barbara says this is a follow-up to a good news submission from a couple of weeks ago my sister's dear friend contracted COVID and when I submitted my prior good news, he was finally, after over a month, awake, alert, and able to sit up on his hospital bed. Well, this past Wednesday, right. after eight weeks, he was discharged from the hospital and is in rehab. He still has a ways to go, but this is a major step. Awesome. Hell yes. That is so awesome. Congratulations to your friend. Um finally or, or we have a couple more good news. Our next one from at People as Places. I wanted to share my bad news and good news with you all. My fiancé and I fell into the category of individuals whose wedding was slated for this coming August, but has been pushed till next year due to COVID-19. Coming to grips with this hit us both hard, but we both decided if we couldn't have our dream ceremony, then we will get married in the cheapest way possible and buy our dream house instead. In New York, Governor Cuomo has authorized by executive order a program for New York residents to get a marriage license via teleconference called Project Cupid. My God, that's adorable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes.
2: Long story short, this fucking liberal's gone soft. (laughs) Project Cupid. Long story short, we have secured funding and a marriage license and are seeing what we believe to be our dream home today. P.S. As an Army vet who worked in support of the NUKE training site, I have the utmost respect for your service, A.G.
0: Yay! Oh, thank you. And thank you for your service. And congratulations. Yes. That's So, so great. I, I I actually just love the fact that you're, you're going to, you know, that you're taking this money that you would have otherwise spent on a day and you're and you're investing it in something that's going to last you for a really long time. So, you know, silver linings and, and congratulations.
2: Absolutely. Congratulations. And thank you for your service. Indeed. I literally never even thought about that fact that if you held off on a wedding and that's like that's like a down payment on a house depending on what kind of wedding oh, yeah. you have so that's i'm I'm glad that that wound up working out i feel like now i shouldn't get married with a ceremony i should just buy a house but we'll see um <laughs> next up from nancy nancy said I want to share the good news that our neighbors across the street welcomed a new baby to their family last week via a successful and healthy home birth. New baby has two big brothers, a two-year-old human and six-year-old dog. Due to social distancing, we haven't been able to congratulate them in person or meet the new addition, but we were able to give them the thumbs up from across the street during the nightly 7 p.m. neighborhood clang of appreciation for essential workers. Mazel tov. <laughs>
0: that's so cool thumbs up i like I, I if i were the mom i'd be like all right so 18 hours of labor you give me a fucking thumbs up huh mm-hmm. that's what i get <laughs> yeah oh. a drive-by <laughs> thumb
2: <laughs> my butt will never be the same <laughs> that's...
0: I, I wrecked my butt and i get a thumbs up all right that's oh, a shirt we'll god
2: yeah <laughs> that's amazing though and i'm so glad everything went well by no means belittling your
0: uh you know feelings. Oh, of course. congratulations too yeah, yeah yeah no no no, no, no totally I,
2: yeah we're just making jokes awesome. but yes I, that's so awesome that's amazing and i'm so glad everything went well uh and that concludes our good news segment for today and next up and finally is the best segment quarantine confessions <laughs> Okay, starting off quarantine confessions today comes from Lizzie. Lizzie says, We all worry about the virus on the groceries, and disinfectant is obviously in short supply. So, to disinfect my stuff, I went with pure ethyl alcohol, also known as Everclear, at the liquor store. It, uh, what? Desiccates? D E S I C C A T E S? Like defecates with an S? desiccates that sounds right and breaks up encased viruses like coronavirus i put it in a little uh, spray bottle and missed i missed it all the groceries in the back of the car when i was loading up very efficient but bad idea i don't drink alcohol anymore but i used to i'm making a cloud of air aerosol air, aerosolized almost pure ethanol, will mess you up. I drunked myself, but hey, no virus on my groceries. I got two blocks and I had to park and wait an hour for my head to clear. Drove home very slowly. I feel as dumb as Trump with a can of Lysol. Oh, the dumb shit we do out of fear. That's so funny and I'm so glad you're okay, <laughs> you but got, that's so
0: funny. You got drunk off your Everclear spray. That's yes. that's, fan, like, that's fantastic. And you must be from a state where you can have, because here in California, Jordan, I you, I don't know if you know this, but uh, but you've also lived in Nevada. Mm-hmm. In California, you can't get the full force Everclear like you can in Nevada or Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, there's some rule about the limit, a proof limit on booze uh, that we can get here in California. Well, I mean, you know, it's not like Utah where you have to go to the state liquor store to, right. to buy <laughs> anything. But because you know, we can get we can get booze at Target on a Sunday. But uh it's there you know that there is a limit to it and everclear we used to make jungle juice with it which mm, is absolutely yep. delicious and extremely extremely terrifying uh it will mess you up for life
2: yes for life yeah that's that's she she found a way to hot box with alcohol i've never heard of that before that's yeah that really is amazing um i feel you though i also was really worried about the whole germs and eating thing i saw enough articles about i don't know i'm not gonna even tread into any sort of medical advice i wonder if you could vape it you know (laughs) probably (laughs) you know you know frats have done that all around the country i'm sure replace their vape cartridge with syrup and vodka or something and be like let's see what this does uh God, that's so funny. The Daily
0: Beans does not recommend vaping alcoholic <laughs> beverages or any alcohol. Please, or vaping do not them, vape any alcoholic beverages <laughs> or inject bleach into your veins. Thank you. Exactly, <laughs> necessary
2: disclaimer. Um, next up from Maddie. Maddie says, I've spent a lot of time with my houseplants lately and have started naming them after Trump's henchmen. I'm not sure why. I just get a kick out of it. I have Devin Tucker, Mr. Snowball. That's Stephen Colbert's name for Bolton's mustache. MFW, an oldie but a goodie. And <laughs> Snoop Dag. I live in New Zealand, so if I share these names with future visitors, they won't know who any of these people are, which makes me enjoy this even more. I have a few plants left to name, so more suggestions would be welcome. <laughs> that's so funny.
0: I <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) love that god we have like some green thumb listeners i'm gonna need that list again that's amazing um they have matthew fucking whitaker on there right
2: yes yep mfw big dick toilet (laughs) wine hot tub crime machine mr snowball Uh, bolton's mustache that's so funny um (laughs) all right (laughs) mr snowball (laughs) (laughs) stephen colbert so funny um all right next up from karen karen said i had to ban my husband from going to the grocery store he's a great cook but he only decides what to cook by lingering around the produce section so that he can sniff the vegetables to see if they're fresh i told him there's no time for that now you have to go in with a list and your mask a list. a list and your mask you have to get in and, and get out quickly so i would do the grocery shopping from now on Uh, He told me he opposed my plan, and he voted no, in quotes. Since there's only the two of us, it seemed we had a stalemate. However, the dog voted on my side, so I won. Now, twice a month at 6 a.m., I slip out of the house with a list in my mask for the special senior shopping hours. (laughs) Sniffing all the produce. I I wish I had such a good nose. You could tell its ripeness with your nose. That's incredible. I guess that kind of makes sense when you think about shit like bananas or... or Yeah, that makes... That makes total sense, but I've never seen anyone do that. And Yeah, I look and squeeze. Yes, me too. I'm a squeezer. Also not
0: allowed. <laughs> not allowed anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you bring your uh, aerosol Everclear with you...
2: Right, you have nothing to worry about.
0: You can fix that
2: and get everyone drunk. Mm-hmm. So true. Uh, next up from Felicity. Felicity says, did you know that Conan O'Brien stole quarantine confessions from you? He spells it confessions and it's like a recurring segment he used to do called Secrets, where he has guests record several fake and increasingly ridiculous facts about themselves. William Shatner regularly did Shatner Secrets on Conan's NBC show. I'm not really calling out Conan because great minds think alike, but Daily Beans definitely did Quarantine Confessions first, and the confessions you share are sincere. Truth is stranger and often funnier than fiction. That's funny. I fucking love Conan. Oh, really, Conan? God, I love Conan so much. Oh, really? Yes. It's funny because mm. poor Conan can't catch a break with the parallel thinking. He also, one of his writers, he defended in that lawsuit about someone on Twitter trying to accuse him of stealing <laughs> jokes. And then uh, here Conan is again in the fire. Hmm.
0: Mm, he has a history. Is it Conan? i mm. <laughs> mm? <Not> just kidding. <laughs> Somebody in that writer's room. Yeah. Somebody in that writer's room listens to us. Somebody
2: yeah. Does. It's also one of those ideas though where 100 percent I definitely think multiple people could think about it. And uh I will defend Conan until I die, no matter what. He's the hmm. best. <laughs> Fuck Jay Leno. Um just kidding. Just kidding, Jay. If you got a writing job, I am your girl. <laughs> just joking. Next up is our last one from anonymous. Anonymous says, "Okay, here's my confession. I eat big ol huge bowl of spaghetti." pasta sauce, and meatballs with fresh grated Parmesan cheese for breakfast. Fuck it. I didn't even bother to fry an egg and put it on top to call it a breakfast dish. Who cares? Stays blurred to each other and nothing matters anymore. Life has lost all meaning. So why not have a huge bowl of spaghetti and meatballs for breakfast? Fuck it. Next level down, pizza rolls for breakfast. I've lost all self-respect and dignity. Not that I had all that much to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. That was a lovely... uh self-deprecating button uh, that I'm
0: always a fan mm. of. <laughs> yeah, I think on Saturday morning, uh, I ordered a patty melt for breakfast. So, mm. yeah. Yep. There's onions and toast. 100%. I agree. I completely agree. Mm. And um, I, I did. I got it from Redford's, because where else are you going to get a fucking patty melt at 7 in the morning? <laughs> exactly.
2: I've ordered from Rudford's <laughs> two days out of the last three at this point. The first time I got grilled cheese... And onion rings and French fries and just last night I got a tuna sandwich. Who the fuck eats tuna at two in the morning? Two It's delicious though.
0: And they're open twenty four hours and they serve everything all day and their food's pretty good. It's really good stuff. Yeah. It is. And they got a picture of J F K in the lobby. Yes, it's a historic vibe, huh? Yeah, and so and so it's a little it's a little Democrat little little hometown. So Yes, it is.
2: I like them. Yeah, me too. Uh, But that's all for Quarantine Confessions, folks. Thank you so much. Keep sending them in. We have a website, and you can submit them at the website. And yeah, thank you. That's all I got.
0: Yeah, and if the link isn't up on the website yet, just uh, go to Twitter, at Daily Beans Pod, and it's our pinned tweet. There's a link. Good to know. Sweet. Thank you. Oh, I can't believe Conan started doing that right before we... We're about to put out a whole new show about quarantine confessions. Everybody, just so you. know. Oh, and that's <clears throat> right. Mm. Oh well, we've got. You know what? If he try, if he comes, if he comes at me, bro, I've got timestamp released yeah. episodes. So I, I can't imagine that would happen
2: because, like I said, I feel like it's a, it's it's a prevalent enough kind of thought, like a funny. It's like a journal, like a live journal, basically. It's know? a premise. Yeah, and he mm-hmm.
0: calls them something different anyway, so
2: Yes, precisely.
0: Although when I went to buy quarantineconfessions.com it wasn't available and I wonder if he bought it.
2: Yeah, or or any number of people, I guess. But they're just sitting on the domain, they're not doing anything.
0: That's correct. It's just parked.
2: Interesting. Can you tell when it was bought? Uh no. We're gonna get an email now in the next five minutes after we release this episode that's like I'll give you the website. You give me $5 million so <laughs> <to> be extorted.
0: <laughs> hmm. Any final thoughts before we go? Nope.
2: Oh, I have one final thought, actually. Oh, all right. It's really quick. I've been posting on Instagram. If you don't follow me yet on Instagram, I'm at Jordan Coburn Comedy. But I've been posting on my story the saga of this giant-ass spider that was, like, chilling. And I let it stay there for a long time. And... I found out last night talking to neighbors that apparently we have like a big black widow problem here. And they looked at the spider and they were like, yeah, that's a black widow. So we got it. Finally. The spider is finally out of the house and dead. Sad to report. (laughs) Tried
0: to vacuum it and it didn't live. My dad used to have a Black Widow kit. We, we lived in Arizona, and there's tons of Black Widows in Arizona, and they would all live under the diving board because mm. they like it in, like, warm, moist places. Ugh. And um, so he had a kit. It was two by 4s and two giant rubber gloves, like, big, thick, like the kind that electricians wear, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a bottle of Aquanet and a lighter. And he would go down. <laughs> and he would spray the spider with aquanet and then he would torch it and then smash it between the two boards and then I was like okay I think you got it I think yeah, you got god it
2: god damn <laughs> it's not like any of its guts will poison you on their own once the spider's incapacitated that's about it <laughs> that's all you have to do uh, that's funny
0: mm, anyway oh. good final thoughts good final thoughts <laughs> yes <sighs> uh, speaking of uh, killing wildlife take care of the planet, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. (laughs) And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.